You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Almost 26 years to the day that a drop saved Christmas for the Green Bay Packers. A pass. This time one that was caught. Rescued them once again. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's. I don't really like where things are trending, but a win's a win, right? 24-22 victory over the Cleveland Browns on Saturday at Lambeau Field. Yeah, for those perhaps too young to remember... Quick history lesson here. The lead is a reference to the Christmas Eve game at Lambeau back in 1995 when Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Yancey Thigpen dropped a game-winning touchdown that gave the Pack a 24-19 win and their first NFC Central title in 23 years. That's right. It used to be called the old NFC. It was the old NFC Central once upon a time. An awesome, awesome moment for those who do remember it. It's funny because, you know, so 1995, I would have been, I was 14 at the time. And really, I've said before, you know, I started watching in 1989, uh, the Don Mikowski year when they went 10 and 6. A couple of rough years after that, but really after that, you know, in comes Favre and Holmgren and, and Reggie and everything else. And it was just kind of going up and up and up. So when they won the, the division title that day, I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. This is great. I couldn't figure out why, like, my dad and all my, you know, my siblings and older relatives were like, oh my god, what a momentous moment! The pack is back! Like, I was like, what, aren't aren't we back already? And they were like, no, you don't get it! <laughs> so yeah, that was great. Great. As was Saturday's game-clinching interception by our man Roswell Douglas, which, of course, was the second half of what I was talking about in the lead tonight. Still... I just still can't believe Razul was, he was just on Arizona's practice squad as of early October, right? Early October, there he is, Arizona's practice squad. I'm just, I'm not sure I'll ever get over that. Just an all-time midseason, wait, no, you know what? Let's hold off on that for now. More on Douglas, a ton more, dare I say, on Razul Douglas later in the show. And speaking of Christmas, hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas, if that's what you choose to celebrate. If you don't, I hope you had a happy whatever it is you do choose to celebrate. I myself, too, had a nice Christmas, got some really nice stuff, got the Packers uh, four-volume thing, The Greatest Story in Sports, that was just released, the four-volume history of the team written by Cliff Crystal. Really excited to dig into that. I'll tell you what, that thing is heavy as shit. I didn't know, like, if you see the photos of it on the Pro Shop website, I thought it was kind of going to be the size of, like, the old media guides. Like, mini, like, like full, you know, fully written, but, like, kind of miniature and and, and the size of the actual books. They're full size, but the whole thing is heavy as shit. <laughs> it's awesome. It comes in this case. It's, like, designed to feel like a football. Oh, man, it's awesome. I can't wait to dig into that, for sure. Uh, and as I mentioned last week... Tonight is officially show number 100 for your boy Lemps. That's right. I have reached the century mark. I am in the century club. Crazy. The first episode was the 
2000, and if you don't, if you weren't listening back then, was the 2018 season opener against the Chicago Bears, the Aaron Rodgers Manee <laughs> game where he led the pack to a comeback win over the Bears on Sunday Night Football. Whether or not Rodgers actually remembers it because he was so doped up on pain pills and shots, who knows? But he did. That was also the start of Mike McCarthy's final season in Green Bay, of course. The show started on Podbean. Here's here's how here's how it began. I would literally record the show by opening the Podbean app. They had a record option in the app, and I would just talk into my phone. So if I had notes, I had to have my old laptop open with the notes, and I would go between looking at the laptop, you know, for notes or stats and then yelling into the phone. Very no frills, to say the least. But it was cool, you know. Had kind of a small but dedicated following. Then in 2019, made my momentous return to Packers Talk. That's where I've been ever since. Love it here. This place is my home. Just, you know, it's great. And thankfully, my recording setup is much better now, too, right? I have a baller laptop, uh, a newer laptop than the one I had then. And this Yeti microphone. I think I've, I've, I've given a shout-out to my microphone before, but this Yeti stereo blue microphone this thing is intense if someone farts like two blocks down this thing will pick it up i'm not kidding <laughs> this thing is heavy duty and it's it's been a great friend and i love it uh of course shout out to jersey al and cd for welcoming me back i'm forever grateful and appreciative of that you two are awesome and a shout out to all of you who have listened over the years you guys and gals all rock. I mean, you could, you know, I've said this before, but you could be anywhere in the freaking world doing anything, but you take some time every week to check the show out, listen to me, <laughs> shout into the void like a madman from my basement, and I love all of you for it. Without you, simply, there just, there wouldn't be a show, right? Period. That's just, that's how it is. So thank you to all of you. Anywho, with the win... The Packers improved to 12-3 on the season. Still, of course, good enough for the top seed in the National Football Conference. Remember, not going to be talking about NFC North standings anymore as the Packers have won the division. No point in that. It's all playoff standings going forward. Green Bay holds a one-game lead over the Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Los Angeles Rams, who all sit at 11-4. The Rams defeating the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday in Minneapolis to pass the tumbling Arizona Cardinals for first place in the NFC West. And as I said last week, the team to keep your eye on most going forward is Dallas. The Packers, as you know, hold the head-to-head tiebreakers over the Rams and Arizona should they regain first over LA. And they have a better conference record than Tampa Bay, so they'd win that tiebreaker as they haven't played them this year. But Dallas, Dallas is different. Dallas has a better conference record than Green Bay, the Cowboys with only one NFC loss as opposed to two for the pack. So for Green Bay to get the top seed and the only buy in the NFC, one of two things needs to happen. Real simple. I'm going to break it down for you real simple. Green Bay needs to either win out, or should it stumble against either Minnesota or Detroit, it will need Dallas to lose one of its last two games, either at home against Arizona next week or at Philly in Week 18. Week 18, that still sounds weird. Doesn't that still sounds weird and unnatural to say that? Still not sure how I feel about that, but I digress. If one of those two things happens, the Packers will get a week off, which, let's be honest, it looks like they need. 
before we get into the fun, and God, I hope you're having fun already, I have to do the, the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, Lemps, M-K-E, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, O-L Bag of Donuts. Uh, the email, Old Bag of Donuts, O-L Bag of Donuts at gmail.com. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars, me like you those the most. Be a nice Christmas gift for me. Four stars, those are good too. Uh, if you're feeling positive, if you're feeling the holiday spirit, maybe leave a comment. I want to thank the two people who left very nice comments last week on the iTunes page about not only my show, but the Packers Talk shows as a whole. All of us really appreciate it. That was great. And if you have one of those, pass it along. Uh, we're also on Spotify. You can find us by searching for Packers Talk. Look for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. We're on the iHeartRadio app also. Look for us there. And again, you know what I'm going to say. Just subscribe, baby. Mash down on that subscribe button. The shows get delivered right to your phone. It's there. No looking, no searching. It's just right there. You should do that. That would be my advice. Okay, now that we done got that out the way, let's go. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about this Packers dub. Hey, damn, I can't believe you guys almost blew this one. Getting a little concerned here, dub. Which, I mean, winning is better than losing, obviously. And you know it's not my style to shit all over the good vibes. I, that's not what I'm trying to do. But look, this is the time of the year where you really want to be locking in and playing your best footballs. The playoffs are fast approaching. And I don't think you'd find any Packers fan who'd tell you that's what Green Bay is doing as of now. You know? Remember, this is we're viewing this as potentially the last dance. You know? It's championship or bust. That's, that's the lens that we're viewing the season through. So, you know, and, and that, you know, it's one thing to say early in the season. To say, well, you know, it's still... But we're the, the playoffs are coming up. It's almost time. And it's championship or bust. Like, it's... It's not great, you know? There's some very concerning trends that are popping up, and that's where I want to start tonight. Offensively, the Packers have been struggling the last two weeks in particular to really step on the opponent's throat and put the game away. Last week in Baltimore, right? They're up 28-17 to early in the fourth. Talked about this on the show last week. They're driving down the field with an opportunity to make it a 35-17 game and really bury the Ravens, leave no doubt. As we know, Packers stall out, settle for a short Mason Crosby field goal, 31-17 instead, and the Ravens were still alive. We saw what happened next. Green Bay hung on by its fingernails for the win. And Saturday against Cleveland, hey, same story. Packers get the ball to start the third, up 21-12. The Brownies, they're hanging around, you know, but it's been a struggle for them up to that point. If you can go down the field in convincing fashion, get it into the end zone, it becomes a 28-12 game. And at that point, I really believe you would have seen Cleveland start to will. I definitely believe that. But, didn't happen. Green Bay puts together a nice drive. Not terrible. But, it again stalls out in the red zone. Packers have to settle for another short Crosby field goal. And now it's 24-12 pack, 9-12 to go in the third quarter. Some spotty officiating on that drive, don't you think? The refs, look, they, I don't want to harp on the officiating too much, but they really whiffed on that Matt LaFleur challenge of the Juwan Winfrey catch. That was clear that he caught that, you know? I can't believe that they, they that, that call didn't get overturned. 
And I look, I really think they should have called defensive pass interference on Aaron Rodgers's um the third down pass to Josiah DeGuara in the end zone. I thought that was I thought you could have called DPI on that. Regardless, the Packers blow an opportunity to put their opponent fully in the rear view, and Cleveland took advantage of the new life, began to pull itself back into the game. That's what happens. And that simply cannot happen next month when the equality of opponent goes up more than a couple of notches. You know, Cleveland's a decent team. You know, Baltimore's a decent team. But it's, the competition's going to get so much better, you can't keep doing this. It has, to, it has to stop. And from there, Saturday, you know, the offense, man, the offense just went into the tank. One first down in its next three possessions. One first down? Are you kidding me? You know, some odd play calling. Running the end around to uh, Equinemia St. Brown, ESB as we call him here on the show. That, look, I mean, I get that that play worked with Alan Lazard earlier in the game, but trying it again there was just way too cute, in my opinion. Way too cute. Did not like that at all. That got buried for a huge loss, and that killed the drive. What, they lose nine yards on that? I think that killed that drive. You know? Then there's the one drive where they call nothing but runs, and I get that Yash, you know, was out. Yash Nyman was out for that drive. After being injured, he was being looked at on the sidelines. And Ben Braden is now your left tackle. Ben Braden, holy shit, is this where we are? <laughs> but still, going run, run, run. Nah, man, you got to play your game, man. You can't get too, you can't go into a shell there. Didn't like that. And then the possession where Devontae Adams drops two passes. I mean, <laughs> you know, you never see, have we ever seen that before? Two passes on one drive? You never see that. Ever. So kind of a perfect storm of crap for the offense in the second half, really. Which was surprising to see because, you know, the entire unit was fantastic in the first half. 21 points scored all off Baker Mayfield picks. Really, the MVP Saturday was the private jet pilot who made sure to get Mayfield to Green Bay in time for the kickoff. (laughs) After he got uh, cleared off the COVID list. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, that first 30 minutes... They looked every bit as great as they had the previous four weeks, previous four games. Rodgers is completing over 75% of his passes for 154 yards and three scores. The first of those, an 11-yarder to Lazard in the first quarter, moved him past Brett Favre for most touchdown passes with the club at 443. Nice to see uh, Slim Down Santa, I mean Favre, send him a message that was played on the Jumbotron. That was cool. I mean, Rodgers was really, he was slinging it in that first half, turning in some great work. The pass to Lazard late in the first quarter down the sideline. Whew, that was incredibly tight coverage, and he just dropped that into the bucket. Lazard with the nice one-handed grab also. And then he and Adams, okay, so Adams, I am now, I've now given Adams the nickname NC-17, right, his number 17, NC-17, Because what he does to secondaries is just obscene. It should only be viewed by mature audiences. Pretty proud of that nickname, I'm not going to lie. Going forward, he will be referred to as NC-17. I mean, (laughs) those two were just cooking Cleveland's defense, roasting them, connecting eight times for 88 yards and two scores in the first half. Some really great stuff in there, obviously. The the beautiful floater from Rodgers to Adams down the sideline for 33 uh, in the first quarter. That was nice. And then his two touchdowns, right? Short grabs of 10 yards and one yard, respectively. NC-17 just dusted the Cleveland corners on both plays. And then there was at least the one 
nasty, nasty back shoulder fade in there too. That that just that isn't even fair for opponents, you know. That's like should almost be outlawed. <laughs> Who could stop that? <laughs> you know. And I believe they set a record right for most touchdown. The, the they have the most touchdowns they've connected on in team history, right? Rogers and Adams. I think I saw that after the game. I meant to make a note of that, but I forgot. You know, it's Christmas. Um, gotta let it slide. So yeah, some good, some bad. Not terribly concerned about the offense putting points on the board. And I doubt they'll hit many skids like they did in the second half Saturday. But look, man, it's, it's simple. when they get opportunities to knock the opponent out, it has to happen. If you blow an opportunity like that in a playoff game, you're probably not getting another one, and that could, that could end your season. Again, that's the lens that we have to view these struggles through. Is, will this work in a playoff game? And this won't. <laughs> you know that, I know that, we all know that. And that becomes doubly true when you examine the state of Green Bay's defense, right? Transition, nice, judges, graded at 9 out of 10, crushed it, Chris. <laughs> in short, the Packers' defense is, is frankly, they're right back where they were the last two seasons. And folks, that ain't a good thing. The group has become, again, entirely dependent on big sacks and turnovers. We saw that time and time again on Saturday, and as we've learned really for the past decade, but particularly these past two seasons, that is not sustainable in the playoffs. It just is not. You know, when you get those big plays, picking Mayfield off four times, two from Douglas, including the game clincher, which, talk about that quick. That might that there was some there were some defa- de- there were some defensive pass interference on that there was, but you know what there was offensive pass interference on that too and the refs really all day were letting them play so can Troy Aikman just shut up about that cry harder Troy cry me a freaking river you big baby <laughs> and then one pick from Darnell Savage and one from Shannon Sullivan it's great when you get those plays it's great and here's the part where I talk about Razul Douglas can you think. Not even just in terms of the Packers, but in terms of the league as a whole. A more monumental midseason signing than Razul Douglas? You know? <laughs> this is certainly, I, I'm not even, you know, I didn't even examine it, but I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say that's got to be the best signing off a practice squad in October in league history. <laughs> I can't think of anything better. But just midseason pickups in general, you know, signing guys off the street or trades or whatever. That's got to be the biggest one ever. This guy has changed everything for this Packers defense. He, they're what are they? Twelve and they're twelve and three. At least two more wins he's given them: Arizona and Cleveland. But really, as Zach Cruz from uh, the Packer Wire said, really it's probably three wins, right? If you say Arizona, you know he had the pick six in the Rams game. They only won that by eight, and then. So, so really, Roswell Douglas, like Zach was saying, is the difference between 12 and 3 and 9 and 6. A signing off of a practice squad in early October. Can you believe that? Maybe God is a Green Bay Packers fan. I don't know. <laughs> it's incredible. You know what I mean? Like, and his pick, and you know, his first pick was really. I want to I talked about the, the the game clincher, obviously, but his first pick was really something else. I want to talk about that here in a minute. Let me just pull it up here in my notes. Uh, what a play, right? Mayfield rolls out to his left. He's got Jarvis Landry on the outside. Landry falls down. Douglas 
Douglas was up. He had to turn and cut back towards Landry and just made a beeline for the ball, stepped in for the pick. That was, I mean, that was, that. there was no luck in that. That was just great work from him, you know? And, and, and not just like coming up, but coming up with big plays and big moments. Just, oh, I, I you know, I, I'm almost running out of things to say about the guy at this point. <laughs> and look, when you can get those timely picks and you can get those timely key sacks, as the Packers did from Preston Smith and Dean Lowry on back-to-back plays in the fourth quarter to force a Cleveland punt. It's awesome. Two more sacks from Rashawn Gary in this one as well as he continues his outstanding breakout campaign. When you get those plays, it's great. But what did we see in between all those plays? You know what we saw. Oh, a whole lot of trash. Garbage. Just pure ass from this Packers defense. They got bullied up front all day, all day. And we and look, we can't make the excuse they didn't have Kenny Clark like we could, we could last week. He was available. He played in this one. Couldn't stop the run to save their life is Nick Chubb, who obviously is great. But, I mean, 126 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries, 58 yards on three catches. So what is that, 20 touches for... 184 yards and a score. It's over nine yards a touch. Yikes. <laughs> you know, he had a huge day. And then if you factor in his backup, uh, Darnus Johnson, they combined for 21 carries for 170, 184 yards and a score. That's just on the ground from those two. You know, that's unacceptable. And the Packers knew Chubb was getting the ball in a lot of those plays and just had no answers for it. Oh, didn't it feel like there were so many runs of six, seven, eight yards? Oh, my God. But the one running play here that still, I can't even believe, still has me furious. It doesn't even involve Chud. Chud? Chud? <laughs> Chubb. <laughs> Fourth quarter, getting late in the proceedings. Packers up 24-15, third and 10 at the Green Bay 35. Browns hand off to Johnson. And he rips off a huge gain of 30 off the right edge, gets the Browns down to the Green Bay 5. The Browns weren't even trying to get the first down on that, folks. They were just trying to give their kicker a shorter kick. They were not even expecting to get the first. And they did anyways. Not just the first. They got 30 yards. Wrong. Wrong. Can't happen. Can't happen. You know? Then the Packers were not ready at all for the first and goal snap, and Mayfield pump fakes, hits Anthony Schwartz in the end zone for the score. All of a sudden, PAT good, 24-22 pack, 4.31 to go in the game. Just get the stop on third and 10. On a handoff on third and 10. Unacceptable, you know? And there was more too. Far too soft in coverage. Too soft overall, but really soft in coverage. Didn't understand that. That led to a lot of nice completions for Mayfield. Easy completions. Some big plays in there. Hey, speaking of big plays, yup, that's still a huge issue for this defense. Cleveland with four plays of at least 24 yards in this one. That's been a problem now going back to the Vikings game. Not really feeling like it's going to get fixed every week. I hope it will, and it's it doesn't, you know. Right away, they hit the screen pass to Chubb for 40 yards. That was Had, had they even played five minutes yet at that point? You know, really, look, there's no other way to say it. The Packers are lucky they face someone like Mayfield who struggled with injuries and, you know, subpar play most of the season. No nice way to say that. A better QB likely roasts them Saturday. Well, what type of quarterbacks do you think they'll face in the playoffs? (laughs) And what type of running games do you think they'll face in the playoffs? 
And the tackling, oh my god, the tackling has fallen to shit. Easily their worst tackling performance of the year Saturday, Matt LaFleur saying as much after the game. You know, you gotta fix that. And look, you just, you can't, I'm just gonna keep saying it, you can't make a living off of big plays on defense. It doesn't work that way. We know that, you know? And that's what had me, and you also, I'm gonna guess, so amped about how they played the first 10 games. It wasn't all about that. Said that on the show almost every week. They got stops. They got off the field on third down. Forced punts. Tackled really well. Didn't get gashed on the ground. Covered well. They were assignment sound. Played with an edge. All of that seems to have faded. You know? Those first 10 weeks, even if they weren't getting the turnovers, that was more than okay. Because they imposed their will on the other guy's offense. You know? You don't need to force turnovers all the time to have a championship-level defense. Look at Sunday. The Packers were plus four in turnover margin. They won by two points. You know? And for 10 weeks, the Packers had just that. They had a championship-level defense. But that, again, that hasn't been the case since shutting out Russell Wilson and the Seahawks back in mid-November. It's kind of all fallen apart since then. And if they don't write things quick, I mean, you know, you can guess what'll happen next month. You know you can. Even if you don't want to admit it, you know what's going to happen if the defense doesn't get going. We all know it. One thing I can't admit, another solid transition, judges, 8 out of 10, is that the special teams wasn't terrible Saturday. Nothing really good, but nothing really bad either. It's a Christmas miracle. I'll take it. Good enough. Works for me, damn it. Okay, so I asked people to submit questions on all the usual platforms, Twitter, Facebook, yada, yada, yada. Did not disappoint, even though it was Christmas. I appreciate that. So let's get to those now. Let's start with the Twitter. First one comes from Philip Voss at P underscore Voss. He writes, getting concerned about the defense, specifically the lack of or ability to make mid-game adjustments. Playoff QBs likely aren't going to throw you four picks. Offense needs to finish stronger as well. Got to stay healthy and secure that bye week to rest up. I mean, yeah, amen to all that, Philip. I can't argue with anything you're saying there for sure. I mean, you're right, you know, that doesn't feel like they've really adjusted anything. You know, that's been a concern. And you're right. I mean, the playoff QBs, you know, how many times did he pick off Brady in the NFC Championship game? It's three times and lost? Oh, I'm never going to get over that. Not until they win another Super Bowl anyway. Um, You're right. Like, you know, it's one thing to face Tyler Huntley and Baker Mayfield and Justin Fields, the quarterbacks they played the last three weeks. Playoffs, you're talking about, you know, Brady and Stafford and Murray and Dak and... It's the level of, of QB play is going to go way up. And you're right. I talked about the offense. They have to finish stronger too. And yeah, the health is the biggest thing. They've, they've got to start getting healthy. They have to. And they've got to start getting some guys back. And I, you know what? At this point, I, I don't really know if they're going to. You know, that's the frustrating thing. We all keep saying, oh, well, when we, when we get Jaw back and Z back and Bach back and Turner and Myers. But I was talking about this on Twitter after the game Saturday. Do we really know when those guys are coming back? Like, Ja, they have until Wednesday to activate him, right? It's been Wednesday, Mark, three weeks since he started practicing. So they have until Wednesday to either shit or get off the pot. They have to either activate him or shut him down for the year. Now, I suspect he'll be activated. But what do we know about Bach? It does not sound great on the David Bakhtiari front. They gave him the week off last week? Who does that? A guy who's, who you thought was getting ready to play? I think... This is just my opinion. I think things are not going well with the knee. 
And I'm starting to wonder if we're actually even going to see Bakhtiari this year at all. I don't know. Because you can't just throw him out there. I mean, even for a guy as good as Bakhtiari, you can't just throw him out there in the divisional round of the playoffs and be like, all right, go. He has to have at least one game to kick some rust off. So, And they're running out of time on that, in my opinion. Z, we know Z's been back in Green Bay. No word on when he's going to start practicing. This team has never been the most open with that stuff anyways, but no word on that. No, we know Myers started uh, was seen back at practice within the last couple of weeks, but no word on when he's going to be available. Nothing on Billy Turner. So we keep saying that these guys are going to come back, but do we know? You know, all we know for sure, I think, is that Jaw's coming back. The other four guys, I have no idea. So, you know, they. but yeah, they got to get the bye. I agree with that. I, I do worry if this team's kind of, you know, still a little tired. Next question comes from Illinois Jayhawk, right? I.L. Jayhawk at Arbogast Tom. He asks, what has happened to the defense in the last three to four weeks? There for a while, it was shut down city. Not so much anymore. What happened or who got injured? Okay, so this is a great question. And I talked about it a little bit ago, Tom. A lot of, it's, it's a lot of things have happened, you know? They've, um, I feel like they've gotten a little softer with the coverage. I feel like they've lost their edge. Uh, I do kind of wonder if, okay, so let's see if I can say this right. They had to fight so hard to overcome all the talent they were missing. This season, right? Z and Ja and Kenny was out for a while. And, you know, I do wonder if that group is starting to hit empty a little bit. That they worked so hard to overcome the injuries that now it's like that's kind of catching up to them. I hope that's not the case. But I, I do wonder if that's what's going on with the defense. And I think, you know, I think it's fair to wonder. Look, Joe Barry was great the first 10 weeks. But no one really had any tape on Joe Barry, right? I mean, he hasn't been a coordinator for a while before this season. So, you know, was it just a case of nobody knew what kind of defenses he was going to run and he could kind of, he had that element of surprise and now after 10 weeks, opponents have, there's enough there for opponents to study and kind of find the weak spots in the defense. I do wonder if that's the case with Barry. I hope it's not. But I'm kind of fearing that that is the case and that he, you know, like Philip was saying in his comment, not making in-game adjustments, I don't know if they've adjusted even week to week. So, you know, yeah, I do wonder if if the book is a little bit out on Barry and he hasn't. You got to stay one step ahead of that stuff in the NFL, you know? You can't just keep running what you run, especially on defense. These offensive coordinators are like sharks. They'll figure that out and eat you alive. So I wonder if that's the case. And, you know... Yeah, I think the injury stuff has played a part. You know, it's you can get by for a while without guys like John Z, but at some point you do need him. Yeah, I think that's definitely played a factor. That's played a part in that as well. All right, so that's Twitter. Let's go to the email now. Got a couple of a few of those actually. All right, let's start with Kyle Terpenning, who refuses to get Twitter. God bless you, Kyle. First off, I'd like to say Merry Christmas to everyone listening. To Chris, whom I saw on TV. And, of course, my co-Kyle. I hope you all had a great holiday season. Mine hasn't started yet. And by the time this episode is released, I still won't have celebrated it. Soon, though. But on to the game. The defense. Dear God of the defense. <laughs> Four interceptions, the only reason we won. Could not stop the Browns without the big plays. Same as with the back-to-back sacks in the fourth. Could not stop 
Could not stop them otherwise, just like last year. What happened to this defense? <laughs> He's sensing a trend. Where did the defense from the middle part of the season go? This defense will not get us out of the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. Against top-tier QBs, we will get crushed. The run defense, as I'm sure you mentioned already, gave up nearly 11 yards per carry. That is atrocious. The offense did what it needed after the interceptions, but otherwise seemed to stall, especially in the fourth. But hey, special teams didn't screw up today and actually had some great plays. Hey, Rodgers, way to go, bud. Most passes by a Packers QB. Next week is very a very important game. Win this, and the number one seed is pretty much ours. Go, Packco. Okay, so a lot to unpack there as usual, which I always love. Uh, you know, I talked about a lot of this, but you do make some good points. So you saw me on TV. Let's start there. Are you talking about you saw me on – I wasn't at the game. So if you saw someone who you thought was me, that's a lookalike. Are you talking about you saw me on the Fox 6 here in Milwaukee? Because that was, that was – I killed it on that, didn't I? Um, Obviously, love seeing the Kyles, you know. Obviously, still love seeing the love between the Kyles. That's great. Um, Yeah, I mean, the defense, you know, you're right. Like, what happened? I, I, I don't know. Again, like – like Tom's question, I don't know. I just think they've gotten – I just feel like maybe the book is out on them a little bit, and Barry's going to have to make some adjustments. I think he can, but will he? You know, who knows? Um, Yeah, you're right. Top-tier QBs could eat them alive. Uh, yeah, you know, the offense – yeah, in the offense, I talked about that. They definitely stalled out, got too conservative. LaFleur even admitted as much afterwards. Um, Yeah, I agree with all what you said, Kyle, for sure. All right. Next one comes from Kyle, who used to have Twitter. Kyle passes the torch to the other Kyle. Happy holidays, Chris, and a big congrats on 100 episodes. Happy holidays, Kyle, without Twitter and all the other listeners. See? See, there's that love there. You got to appreciate that. Traveling today had me listening to the game on Packers Radio. Really unique experience for what I'm used to. Big win today. Thanks for all the presents, Baker. Go Pack Go, Kyle. Uh, thank you for the congrats on 100 episodes. I still, you know, I was saying last week, yeah, it's this mark. If you were to listen to every show I've done back to back to back, which of course would be completely insane, and I'm not saying you should do it, but it's about 75 hours, give or take an hour or two. So that would be what, over three straight days? <laughs> That's a lot of talking that I've done to nobody, just into a microphone or a phone. So I'm glad that you guys uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, listening on the radio is interesting. I've done it a couple of times. It's very strange. Wayne and Larry are the best. But it's football on the radio is hard, man. It is hard to kind of fully understand what's going on. I think football might be the hardest sport to listen to on the radio. To get a full scope of what's happening. But yeah, Wayne and Larry are the best. So at least you have that. Um, yeah, Baker, you know, he's really... They have to decide on him. Would you give him 30 or $40 million a year? I wouldn't. I think it's Kirk Cousins, man, in Cleveland. I think you just let Baker go and, and start over. That's my opinion. I don't see it from that dude. You know, he had, they were dominating Green Bay on the ground yesterday. It should have been easy for him, especially with the way the Packers' defense was playing. He still threw four picks. <laughs> that's not, that's kind of an indictment on Baker, don't you think? All right. Final email comes from Ben Johnson. Hey, Chris. Nick Chubb and Cleveland's offensive line rolled over the pack. The Packers scored three points in the entire second half and still win. Whew. Are you worried the Pack are one team with two good running backs away from being steamrolled out of the playoffs? Uh, it's an, okay, so that's an interesting question, Ben. Interesting question. Yes, I am. 
I'm worried about, I mean, it's not great that Chubb was the first back to top 100 yards against the Packers all season yesterday. Like, it's not great that that's happening on Christmas. You know, that the run the run defense is starting to get weaker. I thought they really struggled, not even, you know, taking Huntley out of the equation. I thought they struggled against Baltimore's backs last week, too. Now, no Kenny, but you had Kenny Saturday, and what difference did it make? So, I am a little bit worried. You know, I love my guy, Devondre Campbell. I feel like his impact has lessened a little bit lately. Don't feel like he's been making those big plays like he was, which is unfortunate. I love him. Skyuma, University of Minnesota. Hopefully we beat West Virginia in the guaranteed rate bowl on Tuesday night, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I'm worried about it. I'm worried about a team with a, either a really great quarterback or two or two really good running backs. Yeah. You know, you look at Tampa Bay with uh, Fournette and I can't think of the other guy's name, but the two, the, is it Jones, Ronald Jones? They have two really good backs in Tampa. That could be a problem. You know, Zeke and, um, oh my God, what's the, is it Pollard? And, and Dallas, that could be a problem. The Niners backs. There's a lot. Yeah, I'm definitely concerned about it for sure. Definitely, Ben. It's a good question. Thank you. Let's go to the Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts Facebook inbox. I do have one from Sean LaFond who writes simply, Merry Christmas. Ah, Merry Christmas to you as well, Sean. And a Happy New Year to all of you. We're going to ring out 2021 on what, Friday night? I'll probably, I know I will. I'll be, I'll be very overserved. So if you follow me on Twitter, it'll be a fun night to follow along. <laughs> so yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Sean. And again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year to all of you as well. One more. Well, my voice just cracked. One more. <laughs> From my former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host, my great pal Gene Bossling. Gene, you know I give you the hammer as always. Gene writes, Far be it from me or any of us to pretend to know what's going through the quarterback's head. But his post-game interview sounded oddly grateful. Thanking teammates and coaches, talking about how special it was to sit behind Favre, tossing bouquets to the fans, etc. The thing that stuck out most to me, though, was when he talked about Razul Douglas and called him an all-time pickup. Gee, Aaron, the guy that made that pickup was the GM you wanted fired. (laughs) So here's my question. If you had to put percentages on it, what portion of this is Rogers saying all the right things to make sure his exit doesn't ruin his legacy? And what portion of it is him actually appreciating how good he has it? I'm sure he thinks he can go anywhere and have this kind of success, but this team has won 38 regular season games in three years. That doesn't just happen anywhere. That's a great question. Gene, you always write the you always write great questions, buddy. I love that. Thank you. If I had to put percentages on it. Oh, you know, I want to, I still think it's mostly him trying to say the right things. He's very, he, he does not want to leave Green Bay like Favre did. That is pretty clear by how he handled himself last off season. Mostly stayed out of the spotlight. Didn't get into like a public war of words with the Packers. You know, didn't do any of that Favre stuff. He very, because he could have. Right? And I said on Twitter, I think I said on the show too, if Rodgers really wanted to force his way out of Green Bay last offseason, he could have. He could have just pulled a James Harden, if you're an NBA fan, and just made it ugly. Drag this thing into the mud. Trash the team. Trash Gutekunst. He could have done all that. 
And I think if he had, I think the Packers would have said, you know what, forget it. This thing is too much of a pain in the ass. Let's just get him out of here. But he didn't. And I think it's because, I do think he, I, look, I definitely think he wanted to be traded. That much is true, no matter how much people want to deny it. But it's like he wanted to have his cake and eat it too. He wanted to be traded, but he wanted to still have people love him. Packers fans love him on his way out, which I don't know if those two things, I don't think you can have both those things at the same time, but but whatever. Um, He could have made it nasty, and he didn't. He does not want to be Favre. I'll let you guys in on a little something. I don't know if you guys know this. I have it on very good authority. You know how Rodgers does his press conferences, well, pre-COVID, he was doing his press conference. He would just do a media session at his locker every week and not like in the media room at a podium like, you know, like LaFleur does or like Favre did. Do you know why he does that? I have this on pretty good authority because he does not want, he does not want to be seen as, he wanted to be different than Favre. He didn't want to be seen as this, you know, this as bigger than the team. The way Favre would be when Favre would, because Favre would do his midweek stuff in the, in the media auditorium at Lambeau. Rogers wanted to be seen as very wants to be seen as very accessible to the media. He did not want that godlike treatment that Favre got. He wanted to be different. He very much wants to be. He loves Favre. That's pretty clear. They love each other. But I think he wants to be different. He definitely wants his exit to be different. So I, that's my long-winded way of saying, I tend to think it's mostly him saying the right thing because I still think he wants he'll want to leave at the end of the season. This is not a guy that lets grudges go easily. You know, he's, I think the stuff he's mad about, he's probably still mad about. I still think he's probably going to ask for a trade. I, so percentages, I'd say I'm about 95% sure it's him trying to say the right things and 5%, you know, him actually appreciating how good he's, although the thing is, I think he does appreciate it. I think that's why he's been saying some of these things in interviews, talking about the fans and the city and how much it all means to him. Because I think in his mind, he kind of knows this is it in Green Bay. And he wants everybody to know how much he loves them. So when the day comes that he does ask for a trade, that keep that in mind. God, I hope this makes sense. This is all rambling. But I'd say it's mostly him saying the right things. And part of it is him genuinely being appreciative. Do I think he'll be back? No, I don't. I still don't think so. I think this is it. This is the last dance. And, and it's going to be Jordan Love time next year. I hope that answered your, oh, I hope that answered your question, buddy. That was a great question. All right. So, thank you to everyone who submitted questions. I say this every week. You could be anywhere in the world. You take two seconds to send me a question in this little corner of the universe. I appreciate it. Okay, big picture time now, 42 minutes in. The Green Bay Packers have the best record in the NFC as of now and look to have a great chance to get to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl in mid-February. They have more than enough top-end talent with some reinforcements hopefully on the way and a coach who, frankly, should be the runaway choice for coach of the year. And yet, there's this feeling you just can't shake, isn't there? The feeling that you've seen this team before. A team entirely reliant upon its MVP-level quarterback, big plays on defense, and praying to a higher power on special teams. A team that just seems to lack that killer instinct. That ability to put a game on ice. Green Bay largely kept its roster intact this offseason. And it's basically the same team personnel-wise it's been the previous two years. So we'd have to look for a coaching change to find that hope that things would be different. And for 10 weeks, 
with new defensive coordinator Joe Barry, we had that hope. This was going to be our game changer, our X factor, the thing that put Green Bay over the top. Sadly, that's largely fallen apart over the past five games. And if you're looking for hope that Green Bay will be a different team this time around, that the Packers will finally get over the hump with this incredible core of talent they've assembled, well, that hope is becoming just a little bit harder to find. Okay, that just about wraps up this episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you all had as much fun listening as I did recording it. Always a blast. Let's do 100 more, shall we? We look ahead to next week now. The Packers will be back in action, back at Lambeau Field as they host the Minnesota Vikings next Sunday night. That one is set for a 7.20 p.m. Lambeau time kickoff on NBC's Sunday Night Football. Packers will be looking to get some revenge on Minnie after the Vikings beat them on a last-second field goal in Minneapolis last month. Look, you know the Vikings. Like Cleveland on Saturday and Baltimore last week. They will be desperate as hell coming into this one. They're 7-8 and eight now after losing to the Rams, and their playoff hopes are on life support. Really, you could say the future of head coach Mike Zimmer and GM Rick Spielman in Minnesota that kind of hangs in the balance here. So, you know that team's going to come in ready to battle. And we all know the talent they have, Jefferson, Cook, Smith, etc., etc. The Packers will need to be ready for this one. Hopefully it is cold as hell. Yeah, let's, let's let, I want it to snow. Let's show the Vikings how we keep it real in Titletown. No room for us here, baby. Man, I'm not going to lie. I want this one bad. I do. I'm still pissed about last month. I want payback, damn it. And of course, I'll be back next Sunday night to recap that one, win, lose, or draw. Obviously, it'll be Monday morning before you hear it. So keep your eyes and your ears out for that one. And yes, I'll keep you posted. And again, Happy New Year to you and yours as well. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go Pack, go!